0: This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. to an episode of the Game Time podcast. It's actually been so long since we released an episode I nearly forgot the name of our podcast. Tim, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It has been a long time. Yes, we we apologise. What we accidentally did was, you know when the clocks changed, just something went horribly, horribly wrong and and I changed the clocks some way. Three, Three weeks backwards. Yeah, just... I just woke up yesterday and thought, well, God, it's been a long time since we did a podcast, so might as well get back on the show. Um, and what a day to record on. As we're speaking, we're recording literally like two hours after the, uh, the Manchester City-Liverpool game. Shut up shop. So let's start with that one. Liverpool win it. Eight points clear at the top of the league now. A mental game of football because Manchester City, in part, actually, I'd say in the most part, dominated that football game, but come out with a 3-1 loss. I don't know what you made of it, but I thought City looked very good going forward, but very, very fragile at the back.
1: Yeah, they did. I mean, City had, they had 55% possession, 13 corners, um, 18 shots, and yet only scored one goal and conceded three. I think we, we you saw how how... Good, the attacking players for City are, even if they didn't, you know, actually score as many. But it's, I think that that's testament to Liverpool's defence. But we saw how bad City's was, I think, with the injuries they've had. Um, Laporte, you know, being out for basically the entirety of the first half of the season. Um, And then playing Angelino, who's only in his second uh, start of the season uh, in the Premier League, without like, you know, Mendy having his injury, Zinchenko being out injured. They really look like they've struggled. Obviously, um, like Fernandinho is not a descent, central defender. He's only just come in, Stones has only just come back from injury. Um, like it was a bit of a weird uh backline for City and, and they really did struggle, especially against probably you know, one of if not the best sort of attacking trio in, in world football. Um and they just sort of got outplayed, even though they did have most of the ball and create a lot more would just sort of they weren't this sort of clinical City that we've seen um and and looked really really ragged and I think I've, we've said it all season that City definitely looked like can be beaten but um to be beaten sort of comprehensively like this against the league leaders is a very very worrying and now they're in fourth place behind Leicester and Chelsea
0: Oh, yeah, we will get on to Leicester and Chelsea in a little bit as well. But one thing I wanted to pick up on, on the City game, and Gary Neville mentioned it in commentary, and it raises a very interesting point. Um, Pep picked a very interesting back line. Stones and Fernandinho in the middle. Angelino, as you mentioned, only a second Premier League star left back since rejoining the club um, from PSV in the summer. And Carl Walker on the right. Now, arguably, Carl Walker's probably the first choice right back, um, despite the fact that Jao has come in in the summer. And John Stones, you'd probably say, would be the starting centre-back alongside Laporte if he was fit. Yeah. Um, Bernard Mendy, his injury problems basically mean he can only play one game every few weeks. But I don't understand why Pep just doesn't switch to three at the back. And as I said, Gary Gary Neville mentioned it in commentary and he said, what would be so bad about putting Xiao Canseo out on the right wing back, playing... Stones, Fernandinho and Carl Walker as a back three. And then Angelino as a left wing back, because then you counteract the threat that the wing backs pose for Liverpool, as well as trying to keep a hold of that front three. And it means you don't shift a central defensive midfielder to play alone alongside a centre back who is just getting back to full fitness as well. In front of, sorry, in front of a goalkeeper who hasn't played much football because Edison got injured.
1: Yeah. It was, I mean, I think all the signs are pointing to, to playing a sort of three or a five of the back system. Liverpool have been most challenged by um, a team with wing backs this season out of like any other formation. Like, um, Wolves uh, challenged them a bit. Um, and I think it does look sort of their weakness. Like, admittedly, the teams they've come up against that have played uh, with wing backs haven't been of the greatest quality, but it, it's where they've been challenged. And it, you know, it can. Um, Really push uh, the full backs back with having sort of it allows you to play two strikers and uh, let your forward sort of run right a little bit and can really pen Liverpool in. And I think that was quite sensible. As you said, they've got Walker and Cancelo, two world class right backs. One of them's on the bench. You might as well try and fit them both to a system. And we know Walker can play centre back, he did it for England, the World Cup. And I think Fernandinho is quite comfortable sort of playing in the middle. Uh, of a three, because it lets him play his natural game more so than having a lot of responsibility as one of two centre-backs. Um, and then it does give Angelino sort of more or le- less defensive a less defensive role, and he, he only has to track maybe one player. The only thing I can think is that Pep didn't want to drop one of his midfielders. Mm. So he's got uh, Rodri and Gundogan both playing, um, and you can only think that he, he didn't want to drop one of them. Or you either play both of them and it means having to drop sort of Bernardo Silva or Raheem Sterling or something, which is a bit odd. So whether he just didn't think he could fit all his attacking players in, because um, he knew that he, you know to beat Liverpool, you've got to go and score quite a few goals against them. Um, it meant he had to drop attacking players. But whatever the decision, it just didn't really work. Um, and I think they mentioned this in uh, the sort of post-match chat in the studio, is that Pep Guardiola, like he can be a brilliant, brilliant manager when he's got... All- or the players at his disposal, but when you've got when he's got injuries and he can he doesn't have the players playing for him that are first class, top quality players that can't perform his game plan. They really struggle, and we this year with their you know defence that you know, they've had players that just can't play like Guardiola wants them to, uh, and they have struggles more than uh, they have in previous seasons. Now with uh, no bins and company and um, Laporte being out, like they do, they have genuinely struggled.
0: Oh yeah, I, I. there is no getting out of the fact that their biggest mistake this summer was not replacing company because injuries yeah. injuries happen in a football team and they're very unlucky that it basically happened to their best central defender but you have to replace Wonder maybe they could have gone after Maguire with a little bit more um, aggression maybe is the right word of saying but, but they definitely didn't replace that and one thing as well that and we'll get on to Liverpool because it's important to note that it's not just bashing City here, but but they are the champions. We'll take
1: any chance we get.
0: Yeah, exactly. One thing that I find inc- I found incredible about it as well, Sergio Aguero. They made a lot about Sergio Aguero never scoring at Anfield. I think it's eight Premier League appearances now that he's not scored at Anfield. Some of the chances that he had, and I'm I'm speaking particularly about the second half one where the ball gets rolled across the face of goal. He finishes that 99 times out of 100. But there's well, something whenever about he's not him. at Anfield. Exactly. There's something about him at Anfield that he just, he looks a little bit um, toothless. But I just thought City just looked really good on the ball. And they played some lovely football. And before they realised it, Liverpool had two opportunities and scored them both. And I thought, this is where Pep Guardiola's men will show what they're made of, if they can come back into it. And fair play to them. I don't think they ever looked like they were completely out of the game. Even when the third goal went in, City had a little bit of a resurgence. Bernardo Silva scored. But yeah, you're spot on in saying that when Pep's main men aren't there, I don't think the rest of them can produce what he needs and what he wants from them. Though despite that, after the match with with Jeff Shreves, he, he did say that he plays his players, thought they were world class. I genuinely think he may have gone crazy in that match, shouting the word twice over and over again at the linesman and then yelling it into the sky is possibly the closest thing to a mental breakdown I've seen since watching someone play Weekend League on FIFA. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, that was me last week. Um, no, I think, I mean, did you see Guardiola's handshakes with uh, Martin Oliver and the linesman after the match? Um, it was that Thank really sarcastic so negative. piece walked up and just shook them massively and they just didn't look like they cared, like... <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was not classy, but it was quite funny. I think what, what it, the game really showed is Liverpool's versatility: is that they can go to they can go to teams and play really fluent attacking football and, and dominate possession, but then they can also come up against a team that thrives on having the ball and still go and score three goals against them. Like, yes, it did look really good, but again, there were times where. There was only a period in the second half. Where Liverpool looked a bit worried after the, uh, City's goal went in, and they looked a bit nervous and a bit shaky. But actually, they looked pretty composed most of the way through that match, and they, they they've they've executed a game plan really really well against um, such a you know possession based team, and that they've just won the ball back, they've transitioned it quickly, and they've given it to you know Firmino, Salah, and Mane, who do their thing and score the goals, and execute it really well and they're just very versatile they can play lots of different ways and I just feel like City now yeah we've seen them for the last two years play the, some of the best football the Premier League's ever seen but they look more shaky now than they have done in the past two years and it doesn't look like they've got a plan B if what they're doing isn't working, it doesn't look like they can go, you know, route one football and just transition really quickly, centre back to striker to nod the ball down and score a goal um, when they desperately need it and they've got to play their way through and sometimes it doesn't work. And it, if, that, if that isn't working, what do you do? And and that's where I think if they do lose the league this season, that might be wise because they don't have an alternative that can get them quick and easy goals when they're struggling.
0: Mm, and I think it's it's fair to say that Liverpool made them work so hard. The, the shape of that front three and the shape of the whole team for Liverpool was unbelievable, but especially that front three, who I think Jurgen Klopp said it in an interview a few weeks back, or no, it wasn't Jurgen Klopp, it was the assistant manager who said it. And he said, the shape of that front three and the shape of the team is so important to how the way Liverpool played because when that front three press and they almost act as their own sort of little shield, it makes it so much easier for the rest of the team. You get Mane, you get Salah to a lesser extent, but Firmino as well tracking back and making sure that it cuts off any pass. Any team will struggle against that. And City, who are supposed to be and are very, very good at passing, struggle to break down those lines. You saw a couple of times Stones launched one out of play, trying to play out from the back. Claudio Brava did the same. And it, it's a testament to the way that Liverpool played because they work so hard off the ball. And that's something that I don't think they always get the credit for because offensive work they do is in term, in terms of keeping the shape wide and keeping teams like penned in almost, is unbelievable. And and I mentioned Trent there just because I wanted to talk about, although he didn't get an assist in this one, his switch of play to Robertson, who then crosses for Salah to finish. He's a remarkable, remarkable footballer.
1: He really is. He really is. And, I mean, admittedly, I've seen a lot of Liverpool fans going crazy about a few crossfield hits on Twitter over the past couple of weeks that they need to calm down a little bit. He does do it very, very well, and I mean there's there's reason that people are comparing him to De Bruyne or in that midfield position for a reason. Like he, he's passing his quality and he's very, very good uh, going forward. He's very, very creative and he's a huge part, as are both fullbacks for the way Liverpool play. Um and I think he's you know, he's only nineteen, he's gonna be such a big star for Liverpool and England, uh, in the next um well, ten years to be honest. Um obviously second to Reese James, so we'll get onto that in a minute. Um <laughs> but, um, we, I mean, we have seen Liverpool a bit shaky this season. They've had matches where they haven't looked great, and like, um, I'm not All saying because Chelsea, but Chelsea, are, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and, and Chelsea have pushed them a little bit, and other teams have, have challenged them. Sheffield United could have won, um, yeah. Liverpool only beat them 1-0, so like they have looked shaky. And I thought you know City might be the team to punish that, but obviously it didn't quite work out for them. But, um, I just do you think Liverpool, like, they're sitting eight points clear currently, do you think they'll? Go the season with this comfortable buffer and win it, or do you think there will be times coming, like you know, maybe around Christmas Boxing Day or later on in the season, where they'll slip a bit and it'll get tighter?
0: <laughs> of the word slip, uh, I, I think <laughs> I think Liverpool probably are now the are now favourites to win. I mean, they are favourites to win it; they're eight points clear. But the one thing that will sort of make it a little bit more of a rocky patch where we can't say the title's over. It's only 13 games into the season, 12 games into the season, and they still have to go and do that Club World Championship. So there'll be a couple of games behind, I'm pretty sure. It'll be interesting to see what happens in that couple of games when they're out of the Club World Championship. If City or a Less or a Chelsea can close the gap and take them over, do they have what it takes to win those games in hand? That'll be interesting to see. But yeah, as much as it pains me, I think Liverpool probably, probably got what it takes this season. They just... I mean at the end of the day last season the only reason they didn't win the title were because City were completely on it and City are not completely on it this season. So if Liverpool carry on as they have been doing this season and as they ended last season chugging away and getting all the points like there's no question that they'll be sitting at the top of the Premier League table at the end of the season. What about you?
1: I think I think you're right. I think they with City slipping up I don't think Anyone else can challenge them uh, at the moment. Like Leicester are, are playing the best football of anyone, um, and probably look like they're the team to beat them. But then it, it, Leicester is the type of team that can—they might slip up to uh, to teams that sort of play very, very defensively um, and set up to just counter attack and win one 0 like i.e. sort of the Burnleys. Um, so I don't think they'll be able to get enough points to uh, to top a Liverpool. So I I don't see it going any other way, but. For the sake of competition, it would be good to see you know, a couple a couple matches where they do lose, just to see where that, where that gets them. Because you know, all it takes is is um, sort of a loss and a draw, and then it's uh, within a you know, in a match for uh, Liverpool. Then with the Chasers at the moment, so you know, it could be it could, it could be close, but I, I don't see, see Liverpool slipping up with the quality they've got.
0: Yeah, famous last words from us uh, before we move on to to the last thing one thing I did want to mention because it feels like we mention it every week now and I feel like it's all we ever talk about when there's anything to do with football now it's VAR and this match was a was an interesting one we go back to the twice twice like peps in some sort of action film shouting at the sky do you think it was a handball for the Trent the Trent well the the first goal, but 21 seconds before that, Trent allegedly handballed it. What, what do you think? What were your thoughts on it? Uh, I mean,
1: my opinion is... I, 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 everything we said before this is sort of... I, I base it on the, the fact that the new handball rule that's come in means that you rule out goals because of handball, whether it's intentional or not, or whatever position it's in. So if you've got that, then why shouldn't goals be sort of given if it's hit your hand or whatever. So that, that's one sort of point because it, but we saw it, it hit Bernardo Silva's hand very slightly before. And then that was in sort of maybe a more natural position. And then when it hit Trent Alexander-Arnold's hand, it was maybe in a bit more unnatural position. Um, I am mean, it's, it's not clear cut, I don't think, but I I probably wouldn't have given it. Um, but then, oh, I don't know. It is one of those things that is, by the way. And, um, the fact that it's not given, if that's a consistent thing where it's not given and then goals aren't, uh, uh, you know, goals are given, if, even if it does hit someone's hand, it's fine. But I think there's just too much inconsistency in it at the moment. Yeah.
0: Nice and concise. I like it. It's inconsistent. Agree with you. I think it, I probably would have given the penalty, but that's because I'm terrible at, at judging handballs. His hand is just out a little too far for me. That's why I'd give yeah, it. Yeah,
1: it's, it's behind the, him as well.
0: The second one, no way in hell is that a penalty. His hand is behind his back right down to his side. But in the other instance, his hand's out. I think the, the line that's coming, A, players get better or special dispensation if it's come from a ricochet as opposed to it just being looped into the mm. box. So you can guess that it's been kicked onto Bernardo Silva's hand and then flicked towards Trent. So you kind of can't guess that. And two, if they deem it to be a natural position, we could talk to the ends of the earth about VAR and we'll probably talk about VAR in one of the other segments, but all that matters is Liverpool get the win in the end. Uh, A really solid performance in the end from them. Um, Mane, Salah, and uh, what's his face? Grabbing the goals for Binho with the first one. Absolute rocket. Uh, Bernardo Silva did get one back for City, but was too little, too late in the end. Eight points clear. Liverpool go into the international break. Right. Let's, uh, Let's travel to a slightly different part of the world. Leicester. Leicester versus Arsenal. Tony Adams was, uh, was on the Sky Sports uh, panel, well, punditry panel. He was hilarious. We'll get onto him in a little bit because genuinely hilarious. I was there on, on a Saturday evening. Leicester are a breathtaking football team to watch. Yeah. That first goal is just sublime. It starts from the goalkeeper and they knock it around, and Arsenal just don't press them at any point, and they just knock it around, they knock it around, and all of a sudden, the ball gets flipped into Harvey Barnes, Harvey Barnes with a little back heel, into Tielemans, Tielemans nutmegs Torreira, and Vardy puts it in the back of the net. And it's just, it's wonderful, wonderful football, and every time I watch it, I think, nah, they'll, they'll come up a cropper here, nah, they'll get stuck here, and they never do. Brendan's built an absolutely incredible team, I'm being too complimentary. Tim, say something quick. I don't know if I can say anything about negative about Leicester, to
1: be honest. I mean, I think they're a very good team to be able to go and do that against or play against at this point because, you know, they're a team that can turn up, but the way they've been playing at the moment, they've got awful fans supporting that they all hate Emery and just writing uh, right because they want him to, to be sacked. Um, the team's in disarray. I don't know best players to put in the team. They're a mix of you know, youth players that haven't been integrated properly and experienced players that aren't good enough. Um, they've got a lot of good attacking players, but they don't seem to be working cohesively. So they can't do what Liverpool do and press really well. And then when they do win the ball back, go and score. Um, they do look a bit of a, a bit of a shambles. Really. I mean, they're sitting sixth, but um, yeah, really, like it's a good time to play them. I think unless. Really did benefit from them, but again, that being said, you can't really take anything away from Leicester. Um, I said uh, like last year why no sort of big six team is going after Tielemans after the World Cup he had um, and how good he's been. And then Leicester have got themselves a, a brilliant player. Um, obviously, they had him on loan, but they, they've done very well to sign him. Ayoze um, Perez has been great for them as well. Um, and then it just means you can play Madison uh, in behind Vardy and. They're just absolutely devastating. And they have Jamie Vardy, top of the goal scoring uh, chart with Tammy Abraham. Um, and just what a what a player he's been for the last sort of four years for Leicester as well. Like, he's just absolutely stunning. And he's cru- crucially, he, he just sums up how good Leicester are. Like, they're the total underdog team. Everyone loves them. But yet, they play some brilliant football that everyone loves to watch. Uh, and, and they deserve to be where they are. And they're now second in the table. And like I shouldn't be laughing at that. They won it a few years ago, but it's mental that they are second behind oh, Liverpool now.
0: Oh yeah, and there couldn't be more of a stark contrast in the way the two sides play in terms of Leicester that won the league and the Leicester now. You you go into a game now with Leicester going probably favourites, even when they play Arsenal, probably favourites to win this game at home are vastly in better form than Arsenal. And it's mental to think that throughout that whole season that they won the league, they went into every game going, no, they're not going to win this one. And then they won it purely on the counter-attack. Whereas now, they're having the ball. I think at some point um, in the first half, there was a period where Leicester had about 75% possession. And it was incredible to watch because we're so used to seeing Arsenal grow up. Well, growing up, we're so used to seeing Arsenal with 60-odd-plus possession, 70-odd-plus possession, and knocking the ball around. And they just could not get near Leicester at times. And Harvey yeah. Barnes was fantastic off one wing. And sorry, yeah, jump in.
1: Well, I was going to say, let me give you some stats for that, about how, how well Leicester played. So, admittedly, the possession was only 50% in the end. Um, but they, they won 52% of their duels. They won 70% of aerial duels. Uh, two goals, 19 shots to Arsenal's eight, seven shots on target to Arsenal's one. Um, a shot accuracy of forty percent compared to uh, Arsenal's twelve, um, like like ten shots outside the box. Like they dominated Arsenal in like every respect um, in that game, and just they are, are so capable of of outplaying teams now. Like you said, like they did used to just sit back and counter attack with Vardy and just let him run on and score goals, and that was just purely. He was their stand player, along with Riyad Mahrez in that title-winning season. But it does just then show how well this team has been built over the last few years, to then, from winning it from when no one expected it, like no one, they were, what, 5,000 to 1? To yes. now having a consistent run of good form in every season so far um, since then. And how, if you build a team and a club with good morals, good values and, and just intelligence, you can just keep them at the top from, from very, very little. Obviously, a huge amount of that was down to their chairman um, who just creates such a good atmosphere in that club and for the fans. Um, I think everyone saw that last year. Um, but but it, it's just like no one dislikes them and they're so lovable. And then the way the players have been bought and the way they're set up and the managers that have been hired have been so intelligent and just sensible from the board and um, you know, the managers buying players that it just works really, really well compared to your know, Arsenal, a team who um, are one of the greatest teams in history but, and have had all the money to spend and have some world-class players but yet have a manager who the fans hate, fans are completely split on the club, players that don't want to be there. Um, about four or five players now are running out of contract or saying they want to leave. Um, and just no direction at all. Leicester completely trashed them, and it's so so telling now um, of just how you know how well Wester have been built and how good they are.
0: Oh, yeah, and, and credit to Brendan Rodgers as well, who is a is a really really good coach. Like he just knows the way a football team should play, and like, he got a lot of stick obviously from the Celtic fans, like basically turning down a a season where he would have won every single silverware to to go to Leicester at the end of last season, but yeah, I know, fair play to him. He's he's built a very good team. Um, a very good evening. Do you say, Sorry, do you say
1: Brendan Rodgers is a very good coach, but I did just see on Twitter the other day of the team that he took to go and play Real Madrid at the Bernabeu, which included Javier Manquillo, Fabrini and Alberto Moreno starting 11. Um, so, he's he's had a good turnaround. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> from, from his days at Liverpool, but um, he is showing how good of a coach he is now. Um and then, you know, Leicester are just performing so, so well and deservedly second in the table.
0: Front runners for title chase now in second place. Um, it it might have been a good evening for Leicester fans, but it was not a good evening for Arsenal. It just seems like that man can do no right at the moment. And this is one thing that I want to pick up on and, and get your opinion on. Mez Erzil, for right or for wrong, and I don't, I'm not inside the club, so I don't know, basically excluded from first-team responsibilities. Emery's like, not at the right moment to discuss it. He's not in the team at the moment, at the beginning of the season. Then things start going wrong. Then Xhaka tells his own fans to fuck off. Then all of a sudden Emery's like, oh no, maybe actually I should bring him back in the team. And they're still not getting results with him in the team. Does that not just look like a man who is just scraping for anything because if that was me if I was in that position you have to I'm a big believer of if you make your bed you gotta sleep in it or whatever the saying is he chose to exclude Mesut Ozil for whatever reasons. he cannot be bringing him back in the team because not one player on that team is going to respect his decision at the end of the day if he's only bringing Mesut back in because he's not winning games in my opinion what's that's not seeing a manager who's going uh, maybe I made a mistake. That's seeing a manager going, shit, I need to get some people back on side here. I don't know if that's, if that's what you think as well, but I just thought it's, he's been very weak at times. He's deflected a lot of things, as managers do, but uh, I think bringing Mesut back in is, would have been the right choice, but the manner in which he's done it has just been totally undermining to his own ability as a manager.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he did it intentionally as a, as a scapegoat thing. For Mesut Ozil, but like he played in uh it was the the one of the league cup matches uh, a couple of weeks ago and actually played quite well and and had put, put in a good performance he was very creative so i think to an extent he sort of earned back his place due to one of the uh the lesser competitions one well, of his performances in one of those matches but you can't, you can't just expect to throw him into a premier league games especially against leicester and just to perform like i've been i think or at least i looked at this this lineup um before the match did, and thought, oh, this is a brilliant Arsenal lineup. They've got the balance right perfectly. They've managed to fit a Bamiang Lacazette in. They've got Hertzlin behind who's really creative. They've got Torreira and Ganduzi in the middle of the park who can win the ball back. Um, admittedly, Chambers and Holding is a bit dodgy in defense, especially with Louise. But like, I literally looked at it and thought, oh, well, it's perfect. But it just shows how poor Arsenal are at the moment is that even what you think is the most balanced team they've got, can't, you know, just can't play football, really. And I know it must be very difficult for Emmy with, you know, one of the most aggressive fan bases on his back. Mm. Um, Like, they they hate him at the moment, Arsenal fans. Um, all you have to do is watch Arsenal fan TV clips to find that out. But, <laughs> like, they, they read your hair. Mean, it's not an easy position. And obviously, like, they saw that. We saw that with Xhaka. Like, yeah, maybe Xhaka's, you know, made some mistakes earlier. But if you've got fans, you know, Sending you death threats and chanting that they want out of the club, like you're going to be angry. So, like it, it does rub off, and I think it's a start contrast to Leicester, who who believe in their club and love that club, and Arsenal are completely different. And they've been in you know a proper state for several years because obviously we saw this when um, for the last few years of Wenger's uh, contract, yeah. to Arsenal is that they really wanted him gone and just didn't support the club, and we're talking about boycotts and stuff. Like you have every right to. Disagree with your manager and and you know want them to uh, to resign, but it's not the type of thing you should do it so aggressively and 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 genuinely like create so much anger towards the players and the manager and the the people that work at the club. So it definitely can't. It's not an easy situation for anyone, but it's a type of thing that you can't just turn it around from. Like at least if the fans support you and you're not playing very well, it's something that maybe a couple of performances can turn opinion around but we're in such a hole now but I don't see them getting any better until Emery goes because there's not going to be um, any short term fix and even if he does go there's no saying that Arsenal fans won't jump on the next manager as well so they're in a really dire place like yeah they're sick they're still doing pretty well but they're um, I think uh, 7 or eight, eight, 8 or 9 points off um, Champions League spots now Um they, well, they're on 17. City are on 25, so they're uh, eight points off fourth currently. Um, so it, it doesn't look like it's going to get much better for them. And
0: you know,
1: with United are a point behind them, uh, Wolves and Bournemouth also there as well. Like, it's pretty close uh, for those Europa League spots. And if they miss out on, there's going to be serious trouble at that club.
0: Just look. If you have a chance go back and look at the goals. No one bothers ever closing down Leicester at any point, especially for the Vardy goal. They basically take it from Johnny Evans on the edge of the box to a goal where Guendouzi could have pressed and doesn't, where Guendouzi could have got back in and doesn't, where someone else could have And it's just, it's easy for me to sit here, right? I'm not an expert in football. I'm just a fan of another club and it could be seen as very easy me just nitpicking. But like Tony Adams said, at least you can do is run. Even if you're having a terrible game, if you're misplacing every single pass, if your team are losing five nil, at least just run and make a tackle. You saw it with Southampton who got absolutely gubbed by them nine nil. And Southampton just gave up by a point. They didn't even look like they were running. Arsenal are very lucky that Leicester didn't score a few more. Because, like you said, 19 shots, only, okay, only eight of them or seven of them on target. But Arsenal were toothless in attack, one shot on target in the entire game. Played a back three that, albeit they kept it at nil-nil for the first half, but never really looked like they were going to do anything with. It's, very, yeah, it's dire times at Arsenal. I, I, I completely agree with you. Do you think... On the other side of things, before we move on, Leicester, do you think they're, they're now favourites for top four? Do you think they're in a title challenge or, or do you think it's just top four for them?
1: Um, definitely top four. I think, without a doubt, they will, they will finish top four, I think. Um, United, Tottenham and Arsenal have all had their struggles at the start of the season and Leicester look like, good enough easily that they they'll finish top four. Um, uh, you know, I, I hope they do. It'd be very interesting to see the sort of top four dynamic split up a little bit. Um or even the top six dynamic yeah, really really changed up. Um and that's not even at the expense of any club. I think it just is a good thing seeing other teams in there. Um title challenges, I don't know if they've got the the, the squad um and the quality to to go to every single team uh in the league and, and beat them sort of to, to be challenging for a title. But um I might be proved wrong. And I said they've done it before, so uh there's no saying they can't do it again. Um but I'd say definitely top four, but um, I, th- I think we probably won't see them challenge for the title at the end of the season. But you never know.
0: Yeah, never know. Indeed, never say never when it comes to Leicester. Right, we're gonna take don't a quick
1: quote. Justin Bieber talking about the football.
0: Is that a Justin Bieber thing? This is the name of one of his tours, like his first tour. <laughs> well, I don't listen to Justin Bieber's old <laughs> stuff; just his new stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> um he was at the youtube
1: boxing yesterday
0: yeah he was i mean boxing is a strong word for what that was
1: fair play no to right it. youtube shouting no it was great but i just love how justin bieber was there
0: he was and supporting logan paul oh, nonetheless yeah just ruin it i want to see um no nah, I'm getting distracted. Let's take a break. If you right. could,
1: if you could pit any two footballers in the league against each other for a boxing match, who would you pick?
0: For a, for a good fight, or just... for an entertaining fight? Uh, oh, that's a great question. Uh,
1: I'll tell you who I put one person in is side Kalasenac.
0: Yeah, can so... get
1: poked with a knife and just be hard as nails.
0: That is a great shout. Like, I'd like to see like Kalasenac versus who oh, give him a good. He'd give him a good go. Ming Song. Nah, Yun Ming Song would be too nice. <laughs> two players, goalkeeper. I'd like to see two goalkeepers go, go head to head because goalies are proper mental. Like Joe Hart. Mm. Joe Hart versus like, I put Joe Hart versus Tom Heaton, and the winner gets the Eng- <laughs> the, the third what, choice England goalkeeper spot. What Pickford? Nah, Pickford, Pickford, I'm saying that? Pickford's mental. Yeah, good shout. <laughs> Pickford versus Joe Hart. Oh, you've heard it here first. Pickford I versus.
1: I would also like to see Tyrone Mings versus Wesley, even if they're in the same team.
0: Oh no, Tyrone Mings versus uh, Anwar Al Ghazi when they had that proper, like, fight against each other in the middle. Oh of the god, yeah. Game when he didn't track back. Oh, the list could go on. We'll talk about it in the break. But uh, when, uh, when we but
1: come, Zuma back, would sit on everybody.
0: Zuma would do ninety-nine percent of the work. And then when he just needed to hit the finishing punch, he'd miss. <laughs> right. When we've come back after the break, we'll be talking Chelsea because they're in the top four. Well, it's your opinion, you know. It, again, it's a game of opinions, it's, and you've got a right to your opinion, but I've also got a right to my opinion. Right. Welcome back from the break. What was that accent, Danny? I don't even know. What to...
1: <laughs> Leave that in, but do it again. <laughs>
0: well, that like involuntarily came from my throat. Like, like I. St- I wanted to say the words, but I definitely didn't say it like that. We're back. <laughs> we're back from the break and we're talking Chelsea. Mr Tim Baxter, you're the Chelsea resident expert on this pod. 2-0 uh, win, clean sheet. Tammy and Pulisic can't seem to stop scoring at the moment. All good at Stamford Bridge, is it not? I'm now engaged
1: to Reese James. <laughs> um, our wedding is, 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 is next month after we beat Liverpool
0: and win the title. Does he know? Um, does he know that you're engaged? Uh,
1: uh no, I'll, I'll surprise it on him later. Um <laughs> I alright, I'll I'll get on to Reshamed in a bit. But it, Chelsea have been great, haven't we? Like Christian Pulisic is coming up clutch, having scored uh is it uh five goals in five games and like something like eleven goal contributions in like since the start of the season, or something stupid in all competitions. Like he's been great, and Tammy Abraham is just a beast. Um, he's the number nine that we've been waiting since Didier Drogba. Um
0: oh, big
1: claims. I've said it before, like he you watch him and he reminds you of Drogba. Like he's good in the air, he's physical, he's quick, he can score goals, and he is pretty terrifying to play against because he's he's so complete all round. Like, I think before the start of the season, Chelsea fans were really like, well. You know, Giroud's got the hold-up play. Batchwi's got the finishing, and Tammy's uh, sort of a bit of a mix in between, and he's a bit quicker. But you know, and we're sort of worrying whether he's he's you know good enough. But he's not. He's shown that he's not just sort of a mixture of both, but he does them both superbly well. He can hold up the play really well. He can beat players, and um, he can pass. He can score, and he's just a threat. And he, even in matches where he hasn't um, scored, like he like the acts. X- Leg or um, I, there's some other matches that I could probably quote that I can't remember, but like he, he's played vital roles in the team without having scoring a goal, um, and, and he, he's just great. He's just, I love him. He's brilliant. All right, and and, and probably Sorry. the England first now as well, <laughs> but uh, maybe Vardy, but he's not in the England team.
0: No Harry Kane. So I know I'm going to take this away. I mean. Harry- Tammy over on, Kane. On form? Like, Tammy's
1: joint top goalscorer. Like, I know, I know Kane's great, but I think, you know, you've got to, you've got to give Tammy a game up there by himself uh, and just show what he can do in an England shirt, especially if you've got players like Sancho around him, um, Hudson Doyle and Mountain behind as well, like in the Chelsea setup. Um, he's got to have at least one game and see, see how good he is up there by himself. But you can't overlook him for a start now. Considering how well he's how good he's been this season,
0: yeah, no, I, I probably wouldn't go as far as season number one for England. No, yeah, no, uh, no, no,
1: it's fair play, debatable, but I think he deserves a start.
0: No, no, and, and the international break's coming up, so England will probably experiment with that and, and give him a go. But yeah, on form, he's he's absolutely rifling in the goals, and he's he's helping his team stay in contention for a title race. I'd put it in air quotation marks because of late points clear, but doing very very well. Um, One thing as well that you wanted to mention, Reese James, the defence. Chelsea, obviously, early season, got sort of, I don't know, labelled with this, yeah, very good, exciting team going forward, but not very good off the ball. But a clean sheet against a Crystal Palace side who have caused many teams' issues this season. Does it show that that defence now is starting to to get to grips with what they have to do?
1: Well, it's no coincidence that uh one of our only clean sheets this this season and one of our best defensive displays has been uh with Emerson and Reese James at fullback either side Emerson having just returned from injury after seeing Marcus Alonso who when he when he came back wasn't as bad as he was last season but has slowly gotten worse and worse and worse. And you see him in the Ajax match when we drew four all um which was just a ridiculous game. But um, And I don't think I've ever shouted fucks up loudly in my life having watched that match. But um, he, he was quite poor then. You see Emerson come back and it's just a proper like, change. with The left-back, he can run and defend and attack just well. And then, you know, as good a servant as servant and Azpilicueta has been, you watch Reese James and you just think he's just an absolute beast. Like, he, he pocketed Zaha the entire match. He is so intelligent when we've got the ball. He comes inside... And um, basically plays as a midfielder and we've got the ball to sort of overload in possession and um, and, and he can beat plays and just creates a massive overload um, and has a great ball into the box. And then, like e o n he went and scored that equalising goal against Ajax um, as well. He can pop up uh, and, and provide clutch moments and he's 19, like he can only get better. So I genuinely think he'll be stuck most Premier League games uh from now on, at right back, um, and there's no, no overlooking Tomori and Zuma as well. They've been solid. Tomori's been a great, you know, a great, a great, uh, fine sort of to to be able to bring him back and play him has been brilliant, and Zuma's been really, really solid as well. So, genuinely, now started the season with the back four we've got playing as well as they've got, we could be properly up there uh, at the top of the table. But like, hope. Hopefully now they're all in a position to, to just kick on and, and play really well for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, no, playing very, very good Did you see that video of Chelsea fan shouting at Zaha in his car after the game? Shouting, Greece James, pocketed you. Did you see that video? Uh, I haven't, no. <laughs> Zaha replies, I pocketed your mum. <laughs> 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 Which is, is is a top-notch response. But um, Yeah, no, Chelsea looking, looking very, very good. Um, at the moment and you know what only one team can beat them at the moment and that seems like it's the best team in the world who ever can beat them <laughs> well I two, 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 two teams true. two teams can beat you at the moment but only one team's done it twice in one season
1: i hate that it's this bloody stupid free kick that's the best free kick i've ever seen <laughs> um, it was
0: it was absolutely top
1: Top. Hey, me and it what's, what's more annoying is that you against everybody else and then as soon as against us rashford just turns into fucking prime ronaldo um
0: <laughs> hey, hey not shit against everyone else we beat brighton don't oh, oh
1: well good for you where's that where are you now seventh yeah. eight points behind us nine points behind us
0: uh, this this game this podcast is not going to turn into a pissing contest between who's better, Chelsea or Man United. I just fucking hate they... that
1: Rashford scored against us. Fucking them. Lingard as well, who's been so shit all season actually plays well for the first game of the entire year. <laughs> so this is two weeks ago. I just need to get the
0: anger out. Man United living in your head, rent free, mate. Rent <laughs> being benched by Pereira. <laughs> <laughs> Who scored today? Uh, it's before... Brighton. OK, let's, uh, let's, let's try and get this uh, back on track. Uh, one, one last thing that, that I wanted to mention, because um, we haven't been on for a couple of weeks. That pass from Jorginho in the Watford game, unbelievable, and also is the reason why he's so underappreciated. Because that's when people start talking about Jorginho, when he's playing these world-class through balls. But the man is so good at football. He makes any midfield instantly better.
1: Also, he's so intelligent that he got purposely booked so that he missed the Crystal Palace match that so he's back next, uh, in a couple of weeks for Man City. Now, that is football intelligence, if you've ever seen it. Um, he's, he's, he's brilliant. Like, that passed everyone to cry. Um, <laughs> good like,
0: cry. Good cry.
1: Good cry. Yeah, good cry. <laughs> Tears that are, oh, sadness that I'll never be able to kick a football that well. Um, <laughs> it's brilliant. Like... What people don't even see in the lead-up to that goal is that he actually refuses the ball. So I think it's, it's Zuma has the ball at centre-back. He refuses it. He points to um, either Kovacic or Mount, I can't remember who it is, to go to the sideline um, and sort of push out wider to then receive the ball from the centre-back. He's pointing. Then then as soon as that player's got the ball, he calls for it. First time, bangs it through the entire team right to tammy abraham who just chips over the keeper like he's intelligence is so good to know to point to players where to go for him to then receive the ball like and that's just about the only time he isn't available and wanting to receive the ball is when um he he's <laughs> telling someone else to receive it to then pass to him like it's that common i i feel very well very contradictory because i don't like Sergio biscuits but the whole quote about Sergio Busquets like if you watch Barcelona you won't see him but then if you watch Busquets you see the whole game it's very similar to what, what Jorginho does is that if you watch Jorginho you see the intricacies of what he does and how he points the players direct plays moves the entire team around and yeah while we, we did win uh, solidly against the Palace 2-0 the fact that he wasn't playing there even for Kante who's considered one of the best midfielders in the world you saw the difference in how Chelsea played is that there wasn't that sort of passing all that fluidity um, going forward. Yeah. The defense was still good because Kante's brilliant, but they didn't have that fluidity of uh, passing in midfield. And and we still managed to cope with it. Like Pulisic was great and really, really creative. But um, if, if Jorginho was in there alongside Kovacic and Kante, like that midfield would be absolutely unstoppable. (laughs) Kovacic um, has been brilliant as well. Like just being able to, you know, beat players. Um, you just at the flick of a wrist. Like he he just goes past players so easy. But with Jorginho there directing everybody and, and just dictating the game from start to finish. Like that midfield could be solid, and Jorginho is at the heart of it. He's he's so phenomenal. People need to understand how good he actually is.
0: Puts on hipster glasses. Well, if you watch Serial, the Italian national team, you don't realise how good he was. Unbelievable, talented player. Unbelievable. And good to see him flourishing in the Premier League. Right. As he has done for the last year and a half. Yes, indeed. Never gets, the, never gets the credit he deserves. We'll give it to him here. We always do. Between a Chelsea fan and an Italian fan, we'll give him all the credit he bloody deserves. Um, right. Before we finish, as always, we end on some talking points. If you don't mind, I want to start off this week. Normally, normally I, did you did you see what happened at the end of the Freudberg Frankfurt game? I did not. So uh it's like the ninety-fourth minute of the game, right? Freudberg leading one goal to nil. The ball gets absolutely smashed out of play. And the uh <laughs> the Frankfurt player like runs over to go get the ball, and the ball happens to roll past the Freudberg manager. Now David Abraham, who's the defender running to get the ball. Full on cleans out the sixty-year-old manager. <laughs> Full on shoulder tackles him. The man goes flying, and it—I cannot believe it. Started a mass brawl. The entire bench gets up and starts fighting. Everyone on the pitch starts fighting, and it was honestly—I'll put it on our game time Twitter. Do go and have a look. But the ball basically just bounces next to the manager and the manager moves out of the way and he full-on shoulder tackles this 70-year-old man on the sideline. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Oh, it, it's awful, but also slightly comical at best. He gets sent off for it, by brilliant. the way. He got sent <laughs> off for it. What, what, what have you got for us?
1: Oh, Brilliant. I've got quite a few, including a sort of new feature uh, for this week that will only ever be occurring today, but I'll leave that to last. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll go to Twitter first, um, namely KFC. Um, I like KFC. They tweeted after the... It's nothing to do with it, KFC's Twitter account, and whoever their admin is having a great time. Um, <laughs> they uh, got involved in the uh, Raheem Sterling um, sort of gossip about him moving to Real Madrid. And so, as, as we know, he's sort of, uh, Real Madrid seem to have offered uh, some money plus Gareth Bale, or seemed to be wanting to offer that for um, Raheem Sterling in maybe January or the summer. And so KFC uh, tweeted this. They said, "Offering seventy million pounds plus Gareth Bale for Raheem Sterling is the equivalent of trying to buy a Zinger box meal for one pound and four pence plus Manchester United midfield. The field for Fred. The sheer audacity of it."
0: <laughs> oh, I'm hungry now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: also, Fred sucks. Um, so that was the first good, one.
0: Hey, hey, any other day I'd accept that. He had a very good game today. Probably his best in a Man United shirt. I'm um, not that having will
1: that. be the last you've ever seen of him. Um, <laughs> secondly, it was just a stat that um, we were just talking about in uh, Chelsea midfield. Um, Mateo Kovacic and Jorginho had 22.2% possession uh, between them against Watford. Uh, the entire the team combined had 33.3% possession.
0: Oh, that's gorgeous. <laughs>
1: they had two-thirds of the possession that Watford had between two players, um, <laughs> which is... Just ridiculous. It shows how good they are. Um, Next, I've got um, there's a second division game in Germany. Um, The ball went out uh, behind the goal. The substitute uh, behind the pitch, off the pitch, controlled the ball and gave it back to the keeper for a goal kick. Um, However, the substitute was in front of the goal line or in front of the byline and got booked and gave away a penalty. (laughs) It was glorious. So, all he was doing was passing the ball back to the keeper, but got booked whilst not being on the pitch and gave away a penalty for the team because he was in front of the byline. Um, so, that, that is not how to influence the game and get subbed on, um, which I thought was ridiculous. Um, I've got quite a sweet one now, actually. Um, this is from about a month ago because we haven't done a podcast in absolutely ages. But um, I thought it was worth a mention. Um, so uh, Lazio visited a children's hospital in Rome. Um, uh, I wrote right a couple of weeks ago. This was literally about a month ago now. Um, uh, uh, and they went to go and um, they went to go and see all the all the kids on the cancer ward um, as like a, a just a nice thing to, for all the the kids in the hospital. The um, entire Lazio team went over, and um, it was time to go and get the the bus back. But um, Francesco Acerbi, I think I'm saying his name is right. Is that how it's how it's said? Acerbi. Oh yeah, Absolutely. Charlie. Yeah, it. There you go, whatever that is. Um he he we, it was so lovely. So the team were told that the bus was going back to the um other stadium or whatever, but he uh completely refused and, and said that he'd um get a taxi back from from one side of the road to the other from the hospital. Um cause until he saw every single child um oh. in the hospital and said hello to them because um, he's a, he's a cancer survivor himself. So he just he he made the effort to go and see every single person on that ward. Um, and then got a taxi back himself, which I just thought was worth a mention because it's such an incredibly sweet thing to do. And uh, you understand that um, footballers are, you know, are human and genuinely do care as much as uh, you see them out on the pitch, whether your opinions on them or not. They, some some of them are uh, are very decent people.
0: That's that is that's lovely. That is a, and that yeah. is the the perfect way to end the pod, I think. That that that's
1: I was going to say that's not actually how I'm ending it.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> So that
1: that was very sweet, but we'll we're, we're do well. I'm I'm just gonna rattle off one of the, new, the the individual feature for the day. Um, so from from such a sweet touching note to funny names of Caribbean football teams. Go on, right? So as you know, we we've got all this, this club world cup controversy with um Liverpool. And of
0: course,
1: so uh, instead of writing a dissertation, I um me and my mate were looking up uh lists of of teams in in. in uh conquer calf divisions uh, um so th- there's a lot of like it's basically every like uh, um sort of like caribbean and like south american team are, is on this list bear with me because there's quite a few but some of the names for these teams are so dumb
0: <laughs> that
1: i don't believe they're football teams so there's quite a few and i'm just gonna have to scroll down through the wikipedia page here but um and try and pick out some of the good ones but um, from Anguilla, there's Kicks United. Solid. That's um, a nice and start. Ballers. Uh, like there's a team, a team called Ballers. Um, from... Uh, where's the next one? Uh, oh, yeah, from the Bahamas, there's Kickers. Uh, Future Stars FC, which I'm pretty sure they've nicked from FIFA. <laughs> um, uh, Barbados have Paradise. And Rendezvous FC.
0: Nice. Rendezvous in paradise. Good derby.
1: Yeah. Um, And then my favourite Barbados team is the Barbados Defence Sports Programme FC. (laughs) Um, Which presumably is, I don't know, some defence force, but there's more of that to come. Uh, Belize have Police United. Nice. Who then also play Belize Defence Force FC. (laughs) There are six teams in that division. (laughs) Um, And then... Presumably, their title challenge is ch- title challenges are Placentia Assassins FC. Um, I, thought you were I would, say placenta? No, Placencia <laughs> Assassins FC. I would not want to uh, beat them in a derby. Nope. Um, some of my personal favourites from Bermuda. Um, they've got the Devonshire Colts. Nice. In, in Bermuda, um,
0: Flanagan's Onions. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from Isn't also uh, no from from the city of Hamilton nice uh, and they've got uh, the Pembroke Hamilton Club Zebras which Zebras. I think is a great uh, name and then the Somerset Trojans apparently that everywhere in Bermuda is just named after the counties in the UK
0: they sound like a cricket team
1: <laughs> they do actually yeah um there's also a lot of Juventus teams as well um a lot of them have nicked the Juventus teams and there's also so from Bonaire I don't even know where that is um Somewhere in the Caribbean. They've got uh, SV Juventus. They've also got F- SV Uruguay. <laughs> and it's not in the same country. Uh, oh, I
0: love Which this. is a
1: bit, a bit stupid. Uh, the British Virgin Islands have got Old Madrid. Uh, <laughs> one, one Love United, which must be named after Bob Marley. <laughs> there,
0: um,
1: yeah. Uh, and Sugar Boys. Sugar Boys. I yeah. love it. Dominica have got uh, Wacky Rollers SC. Um,
0: Oh, that's the name of the pod today.
1: (laughs) Caribbean Cool Bath Estate. (laughs) Uh, 4D Bath Estate. Um, The Harris Paints Harlem United.
0: These are just words now. They're not (laughs) even team names. Bombers FC.
1: Um, Oh, wow. Jamaica have got um, Boys Town. Nice. Uh, uh, Humble Lions. Oh, at least... Uh, uh, And um, Montego Bay United, which I'm pretty sure is a place in California. Um,
0: Whoever came up
1: with these teams, genius. I I generally, it must be a translation thing because a lot of it's just from like English or Spanish or something, just translated and it's it's awful. Martinique have got uh, Golden Star and Golden Lion, as well as Excelsior, Colonial, (laughs) and Good Luck.
0: <laughs> good luck is such a sarcastic thing to say before. Good luck.
1: Uh, yeah, there's literally no information. They just they're just called good luck. Um, Montserrat have got uh, Montserrat Secondary School, which is literally <laughs> a team of pre sixteen year olds who then play against the Montserrat Volcano Observatory Tremors. <laughs>
0: so many words in that team name <laughs> the Montserrat Volcano Observatory Tremors so that's yep. M-V-O-T, M-V-O-T. T,
1: who, who play the Montserrat school of pre-16 year olds um, they also then play in their league the Royal Montserrat Police Force um, and, and Jolly Roger FC <laughs> which I just think is brilliant um, they've also got like cute ones called a Little Bay FC Um, which is just so funny Um, St Lucia have got big players FC (laughs) uh, Northern United All-Stars and the Roots Alley Ballers Suriname have got uh, Robin Hood who are in the have have done quite well in the Club World Cup of recent years, Um, another Excelsior Um, and um, Walking Boys Company spelt with a Z
0: (laughs) Where does the Z go? (laughs)
1: After boys, (laughs) boys company. (laughs) Oh, that's magnificent. Turks and Caicos have got beaches versus the SWA sharks.
0: Listeners getting a real insight into that side of the world's football teams. And uh, yeah, I'm
1: pretty sure. Oh, and then Trinidad and Tobago have got another defense force, um, another police, um, and uh the Trinidad and Tobago Electricity Commission Sports Club
0: Wow that's the longest name Trinidad and Tobago Electricity Commission
1: Sports Club
0: They must be absolutely lightning Yeah I think So that's um
1: it. when you what ne- when you next watching CONCACAF uh <laughs> league matches you need to choose who you're going to support
0: <laughs> choose one of those 38 teams that Tim just read out yeah. and yeah.
1: My, my personal favourite is the Montserrat Volcano Observatory Tremors.
0: Oh, it's Wacky Rollers all the way for me. Wacky Rollers sounds like a TV show I watched as a kid. But they don't play a team of pre-16-year-olds. They don't, and that's why I like it. <laughs> they play people their own age. Um, right, let's <laughs> on that note, let's leave it <laughs> there. It cannot get any weird. We can't really do another episode after that. <laughs> no, no, that's it for the rest of the season. See you later. Bye. <laughs> Cheers for joining me, Tim. Cheers. Uh, as always, listeners, thank you very much. Sorry that we have been absent. Work and general other things have got in the way, but we will try and keep a regular upload schedule. we be back for the international break, everyone's favourite time of year. Um remember, like, rate, subscribe, do whatever you want on whatever podcasting app you listen to us on. But until next week, you can get in touch at GameTime underscore pod on Twitter or GameTimePodcast One at gmail.com. Adios, wacky rollers. Go well.